Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Grassroots Chronicles. I am your co-host, Carlos Mulatoller, a.k.a. Mr. Grassroots, and along with me is Caleb Stokes, a.k.a. Mr. Communication. And joining us, as always, our producer, Jonathan Torres with the Yard Sign Network. Guys, incredibly excited. Episode three, here we go. Thank you, Jonathan. On this episode, we will be focusing on the ways on how to begin a speech along with some tips. But first, let's go to Mr. Communication. Caleb, what's cooking on your end? <laughs> Thank you, Carlos. You are listening to the Grassroots Chronicles at the Yard Sign Network. We do have the email of the week we're going to dive into here in just a second. But first, um, headline I saw this morning, Donald Trump did an interview with Hugh Hewitt, and he told Hugh Hewitt that if it were between him and one other candidate in the Republican primary, that he would actually debate them. Huge news. Donald Trump up to this point has not participated in any debate. And I just kind of wanted to break that down on a grassroots level. Uh, if, if you're running for public office, especially if it's local, city council, town council, county council, do not skip debates. Any type of debate, town hall, any public forum, that's the opportunity for you to pitch your message to new audiences. It's your opportunity to gain legitimacy as a candidate in a certain race. Donald Trump is an enigma politically. <laughs> he is. Don't skip debates. Don't do it. It's, no, the, no. it's the last thing you want to you want to even contemplate. I, I agree with you, Kev, because it's an excellent opportunity for, especially if you're in a municipal or a county or a city type of race, to have that. That's where people are going to get to know you. You know, uh, when you're competing with numerous candidates on the ballot for numerous uh, issues and also uh, positions there are, that people are running for, it is important that you try to single yourself out and have that opportunity to be seen. Um, and so that you can also have an opportunity to share with folks why you're running for office. Yeah. If you participate in a debate, that means every door that you knock, you might be knocking on a door to somebody that watched your debate and connected with you. It is a major missed opportunity not to participate in debates and public forums. All right. Well, Caleb, actually, before you jump into the topic, I, I do want to add that I think maybe even better than calling Trump an enigma is that he's an anomaly. Okay, we've seen already people try to do what he's done in various facets of an overall campaign, and it doesn't translate. It doesn't work. The 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 Trump um, campaign political playbook cannot be copied, um, and I think unfortunately there's there's people that think that it can, um, and have tried very like I said various facets of it and have done so unsuccessfully. Absolutely, Mr. Torres, an anomaly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, here we go. Email of the week. Mr. Grassroots, Carlos Mulatoller, Mr. Communication, myself. In January, I'm giving the keynote address at my company's annual conference. Around 200 colleagues will be in attendance. I've practiced with my wife and countless times in front of the mirror. I feel my I feel confident in my speech, but I always clam up and shut down in front of an audience. What tips do you have to help alleviate nerves? That is from Jared in Alpharetta, Georgia. Well, Jared, you've tuned in to the right podcast. Uh, nerves will always be there. 
We're mm -hmm. always going to have those butterflies rumbling whenever we get up in front of a group of people. I've given several hundred different presentations and speeches in front of large audiences. And every time I get up, I have those butterflies. And that's a good thing. That means you actually care about the message that you're getting across to your audience. Embrace those butterflies. I think a good thing to do is take several deep breaths uh, if you have the opportunity to in private, maybe go to the restroom beforehand, stand backstage somewhere, take several deep breaths just to ground yourself. Another opportunity <laughs> is to get to know some folks in the audience. Shake hands with people beforehand if you do have that opportunity. They will extend so many so much grace when you wind up making a mistake, and you will. Embrace that as well. Just know you're going to wind up making mistakes. But if you are able to talk to people beforehand, you feel more comfortable with your audience. You can actually focus on them. Travis Tripp uh, often talks about what Waylon Jennings taught him. And that's when you're standing on the stage, you're performing. When Travis Tripp's singing his song, he focuses on the audience members that are connected with him. That are, that are cheering him on. He doesn't look at the empty seats out in front of him. He focuses on the people with whom he has made a connection. Same thing in giving a speech. Yes, those nerves are gonna be creeping in. Embrace those nerves, Jared and Alpharetta, Georgia. Embrace the nerves, they're a good thing. It means you care. Take a few deep breaths. If you can meet people before, even better. And people who are connected to your message, focus on those members in the audience. Carlos, what, what tips do you have for Jared and Alpharetta? Uh, one of the things that I always um, recommended highly to my candidates, especially when they were up at the debates or they were given a speech, I always made sure they were hydrated because the more you speak, your mouth can get dry and, and then you can start to stumble. And then that becomes an issue in your, in your head about really the message you're delivering. People won't really care, but it becomes an issue for you. So definitely hydrate yourself a few minutes before, take some water. Uh, also, just come on stage and say, "Hey, I own this. You know, this is this is this is my jam. This is my topic." And and think about having a conversation with a hundred, two hundred, three hundred people, uh, and don't focus on 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 on, on, on a, the audience as a number, but as an audience as people who are there to listen to you. And that's the approach I took, not on 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 giving speeches, but definitely when we performed on stage to train individuals. It could have been 20, it could have been 100 people. But I always took those little little things and said, hey, I'm here to educate and inform and I own this and I'm gonna make my darnest to connect with those folks through these points. And I'm gonna also hydrate myself and just also go over some of the stuff that you're gonna be doing, you know? And if you make a mistake, well, Lord Almighty, you are a human being, okay? Uh, it's okay, but don't let that affect you. And also practice, practice, you know, make sure you practice uh, reading it so that it doesn't become like you're actually reading off uh, uh, a speech on, on, on it. It makes us more natural. And that I think also builds confidence throughout the speech or throughout the communication that you know what you're talking about. And really, instead of reading what you have in front of you are guidelines, like an outline to carry you through to make sure the message is, is uh, well delivered. Well, I'm uh, guys, I'll, I'll jump in here with kind of a curveball suggestion, too, and I'll borrow uh, uh, a, kind of from the sports world. You know, we know that uh, athletes uh, tend to be notoriously um, uh, superstitious. 
<laughs> you know, but I think what that superstition stems from is uh, is a ritual that that puts you at ease, that gets you to focus. Um, I remember for me, um, like my one of my comfort foods is Twizzlers. And so when I got the when I would get those butterflies in my stomach, I'd have a Twizzler. And so everywhere I anytime I was going to perform, I'd have a pack of Twizzlers with me. And right before it was time for me to go on stage, I'd I'd I'd, I'd throw down a Twizzler, and and all of a sudden those butterflies just went away, and I was ready to go. Love it. And they say baseball players are the most superstitious of all athletes. Wade Boggs, Hall of Fame third baseman with the Boston Red Sox. Every game he played, whether it was a regular season game or playoff, he had he had fried chicken before every single game. He had his wow. own he had his own routine. For real. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Wade Boggs, look it up. But you'll you'll build your own routine, Jared, from Alpharetta, Georgia. Uh, and and that routine, like Jonathan said, is going to is going to provide a certain amount of confidence that I've been here. I've done this. I'm going to do it again. Um, but, you know, Carlos was talking about practice and how rehearsal is really important before any speech. And it's true. But, Jared, you said that you had been practicing in front of the mirror. Don't do that. I think practicing and rehearsing with your wife is fantastic. Do not practice a speech in front of the mirror. What what winds up happening is you fix all of these mistakes and weird things you're doing with your hands and your arms in real time. And because of that, you think it's going to wind up being fixed moving forward. However, moving forward, you won't know what mistakes you're making in real time because you don't have a mirror in front of you. Don't practice a speech in front of a mirror. Instead, take a phone, take a laptop, set it up, record yourself, and when you hear that recording, you'll get used to your voice a little bit more, a little bit more, and that'll be a good thing. So Jared and Alpharetta, keep practicing, keep demonstrating your confidence. There is a reason that your company selected you to give the keynote, and that reason should should build a foundation of confidence during your speech. So as Carlos mentioned, Mr. Grassroots, today we're going to talk about how to begin a speech because in the first seven seconds, everyone knows the first seven mm -hmm. seconds of you standing on a stage, that is the impression that the audience gets. So whenever you walk on that stage, be ready to start a speech off the right way in the first seven seconds. And Connor Neal is an Irish speaking coach. And Connor Neal has three fantastic ways to begin a speech and three ways that you want to avoid at all costs. And according to Connor Neal, the first mistake people make at the beginning of their speech is the irrelevant question list. Can you, can you hear me okay? Can everybody see me? Is the microphone working? Just, just let me know. That demonstrates that you're nervous. Yes, you might be nervous, but this is kind of getting to that death by a thousand cuts. At least that's what's what's beginning your speech. Avoid that at all times. Even if we are insecure standing up in front of a group of people, we don't want to demonstrate it. And that's one of the easiest things to do when you get in front of a group. Um, another mistake that folks make walking up and saying, hi, everybody, my name's Caleb Stokes. I'm from XYZ, and I'm here to speak about XYZ. Chances are you've already been introduced. 
or people already know you. Now, there are times where if you're going to get up in front of a political breakfast on Saturday morning, there are like 15 people who all have two minutes each to speak and make their pitch to the crowd. Under those circumstances, sure, it might be okay to introduce yourself and your topic from the get-go. However, that's not going to be the, the regular introduction that you have. And finally, uh, the biggest mistake, I think, uh, in beginning a speech is what I call the fourth grade PE teacher. You get out in front, you say, are you ready, everybody? I said, are you ready, everybody? Yeah, we're ready. It's why we're here. We've had our coffee and energy drinks. We're adults. <laughs> and yes, we're ready. Look, it's always good to gauge interest or not gauge interest, but to gauge the room and figure out where my uh, uh, strengths in the room, where are those people with whom I'm connecting? Uh, how do I make myself feel comfortable here with this lectern in front of me, whatever it might be. But don't treat adults like their kids and getting ready for fourth day PE. Uh, Mr. Grassroots, Carlos. What, Sir, what, what's your thoughts on that fourth grade PE teacher kickoff to a speech? No, listen, actually, the other thing, too, that um, that you said, it, which is to me in today's world, especially with technology, they'll plaster your face, your name, they'll, you know, your resume, you'll be introduced. So, yeah, I think it's important not to do that. Don't don't waste time. Right. Um, I think the best speakers or people who get up on stage bypass all that already now they probably have gone through that too i mean they, they we all do i think i used to do that nervous thing hey check check one two three can everybody hear me because you're starting to ease yourself in uh also when i get introduced now i say thank you very much and i dive right in you know into the thing uh i'm not a cheerleader uh that kind of turns me off personally when i see somebody coming out it's like you know it's like okay you know like get to the point and i try to connect with the audience uh obviously you have to know your audience first right who you're talking to and try to make that connection right off the bat right within the first 10 seconds make something uh, tell them something that connects you with them whether you're related to the topic or the people in the audience or you know somebody or let you know maybe a, a brief little story um and when i'm not sure i'll say hey we're gathered here from all over the country right or all over the state and i try to find out some of the cities that people are from so I'll say, hey, you know, we're, we're gathered here today in Florida from Boca Raton, Delray Beach, Tallahassee, Jacksonville, Miami, Tampa, Orlando, because, you know, there's an audience out there that came from that. So those people right away are going to identify with you. You may not know it, but they're going to identify. So I as a when I when I do my short uh, presentations, I always try to make some sort of connection of the audience with me, vice versa, even as even if it's calling out a city or two. Right. Or maybe a little history of where I'm at. And connect that with them and then relate it but make it relatable obviously to the topic don't just tell a story that has nothing to do with it but i think that's important because you grab people's attention in a different manner it's not a shock it's a subtle like okay i'm from tampa i'm from delray beach i'm from orlando right Woohoo! you know whatever the case may be but that connects but definitely the cheerleader method for me and the it's not for me. That's just not me. And people are welcome to try that. But I, I, I agree with you. I, I think you turn people off for the most part, unless you're in a particular setting that is, you know, you have, you, you, it's okay to do that. 
But uh, no, everything you said, it's right on target, man. Definitely do not do any of those things. Be conscious of it. Yeah. If you're from Las Vegas, you're giving a speech in Las Vegas. At some point in in your presentation, you're going to mention, oh, hey, yeah, I live down in Henderson. I'm 15 minutes away from now. That's a big cue that sinks in with the audience. But it doesn't mean that you have to be the rock at WrestleMania and scream, finally, the rock has come back to Las Vegas. Uh, Let's leave that to the WWE respectfully. Um, So Jared from Alpharetta. Hope you're still listening. We just talked about three things to try to avoid when you were beginning your speech at uh, the conference for your company in January. That's what to avoid. What to actually do? Uh, Connor Neal says there are three really solid ways to begin any speech. Uh, one is an interesting fact, and not just you know a fact for the sake of giving you a fact, but an interesting fact that is tied somehow into the subject matter of your speech. Same thing with number two. It's a provocative question, an open-ended question to the audience, again, that somehow relays to the subject matter uh, or relates, I should say, to the subject matter of the speech. But the best way to begin any speech, any presentation, any training that you're delivering is with a story. Once upon a time, we as human beings, stories are innate in us. It's in our DNA. It's how we pass down history for thousands and thousands of years. It's it's what put us to bed when we were children. It's what keeps us engaged in podcasts or movies, different narratives uh, throughout our entire lives. Stories are the bedrock of your speech. And beginning with a story, specifically a story that can encapsulate your why, why you're giving the speech, why you work for your company, Jared and Alpharetta, and why you do what you do every day. What is your personal why? Telling and sharing a story is what's going to be most successful in your speech. Carlos, you were talking about how the whole cheerleader thing is not something that resonates with you. You you don't do that too terribly much when you're beginning a speech. Um, I it's know just not, it's just you, not, you share stories though. I've heard yeah. you. And, and I want to, I want to go back to a couple of things you said on, on the things to do. Um, it's important that you also use facts and relatable to the subject and to the audience. And as an example, if you're talking about education to a group of parents or teachers or educators in a certain area, try to do a little research beforehand and find out what is the graduating rate of that County or maybe if you're talking to a specific school or the ratio, you know, lead with some sort of information that people may not have known. And it's a fact. So make sure your facts are correct, up to date and be sure to cite those facts too. So people don't believe that you're just, you know, picking out of thin air um, as, as, as well as, you know, knowing the audience and, and telling that story. And, and, and because as you said, we have been, you, we as human beings on this earth have been telling stories for thousands of years to the point where people actually put them in rocks, you know, they made stories in rocks and so on and so forth. Eventually we have a language, but as you do those stories, you know, it's important that it relates to what is going on. It's not just a personal story, but what's going on in that particular audience in that time, that frame, that time of that that particular uh, time period that you're talking to and, and, and do that. But telling the story is for me, one of the most important parts because we as human beings, 
register more information or a lot better information, or we retain more information when we're told a story. So if you put some facts and some history and some details in a story, people are more likely to remember those figures and those numbers throughout the story. It happens to me all the time. When people tell me a story and they go, hey, the percentage of this was 32%. And because they're telling me a story, those figures stick in my head. So I would definitely recommend that if there's some some factual numbers or something you want people to remember, uh, it, put it into some sort of a story that they can relate to. Because we tend to remember more uh, through a story than just putting up facts and numbers and slides with charts and graphs. Yeah. So many people think that if they share a certain percentage and certain numbers that not only do they sound intelligent, but folks will remember. People do not care what you do. They care why you do it. That goes back to Simon Sinek's golden circle. We talked a little bit about that last week, but a story shares a why. And that why is the biggest cue. The facts, the figures, the percentages, they justify the argument. They are not the argument. People don't care what you do. They care why you do it. So we know leading with a story is very good. Hopefully Jared from Alpharetta can incorporate that when he's giving his speech for his colleagues at his uh, uh, company conference in January. Let's just a uh, couple other tips, how to begin the top of a speech. Rely on your rehearsal. We talked earlier about the importance of practice, practice in front of loved ones, practice in front of friends, do not practice in front of the mirror. But if you rehearse enough, that everything sort of becomes by rote in a way, which is okay, and that's good. That will give you the opportunity to rely on all of that practice when you're standing up behind the lectern and all the lights are shining in your face and you start to tremble a little bit. Rely on your rehearsal and practice, practice. Meryl Streep says it best. She's been nominated for more Academy Awards than any other individual in the world. Uh, it, just in case you didn't know who Meryl Streep is. And Meryl Streep says if she is in a play and she doesn't rehearse her lines for a day while she's interacting with her uh, uh, counterpart, she can notice. If she doesn't rehearse her lines for two days, she says then the other actor, her counterpart, begins to notice. But if she goes three days without practicing her lines and rehearsing her lines, she says the audience begins to notice. So in the same breath, practice and rehearse your speech, especially Jared, if you're up in front of 200 of your colleagues at your all staff conference, be sure that you absolutely practice. Um, know your audience as well. You know, a joke can be a story. I love throwing jokes into any story and any speech possible because uh, jokes are memorable. However, if you're speaking to your colleagues, be sure that all of those jokes are very appropriate. Also, if you're giving a speech politically, know your audience because you might want to know what issues to bring up or not. If there's an issue with which you disagree with most audience members, don't focus on that. Don't even bring it up. Bring up your commonalities with audience members because that's what's going to ultimately uh, create a connection. And I said earlier, embrace mistakes. That just means you're gonna screw up and that's okay. 
I screw up every time I speak in front of people. Carlos does. Jonathan does. We're human beings. We're going to mess up and nothing is ever going to be perfect. Alec Baldwin was on Broadway in A Streetcar Named Desire with Jessica Lange. And Alec Baldwin said he thinks it might have been two nights where he actually said every line in the play the way he wanted to. Because there were moments where the lines just came out differently because of circumstances, but there were also moments where they came out and he felt that it was the wrong delivery. He embraced it. He didn't wallow in the fact that he messed up on stage. He said, okay, I'll learn from that. I'll take it and learn from that. Any miscue you make on stage when you're giving your speech, embrace the mistake because that mistake is a learning opportunity. And you also don't want to get bogged down on the fact that you might have made a small mistake. So what? We all do. Mr. Grassroots, Carlos, we're going to talk a little bit more about rehearsing. Jared from Alpharetta has said he's rehearsed a ton. Um, but what when you're rehearsing a speech that you're giving for a large audience, um, what are some of the ways you rehearse? Uh, I do it in, uh, well, one particular ways. I do it two ways. One is I do it on uh, a camera on my phone, right? So that I can catch some of those maybe body languages that maybe, you know, you got to control a little bit because I'm being Hispanic. I have a tendency to move my arms a lot. Um, I also try to dress the way I am going to present to see how I look on stage. Is that the right suit? Does it fit me? Is it too small? Is it too big? Uh, is that is that tie look, you know, is, is it too flashy? Is it subtle? Uh, as well as also record myself, just the voice, so that I can hear myself, and then I connect that with the visual. But I always recommend folks, especially my candidates when I work back in the, in the, in the uh, campaign world, I always said to them, dress before you go out. See how you look, you know, is, is your suit clean, right? Are you using the right shirt? Or is that tie too flashy? Because we don't want your wardrobe to be why you're remembered on stage, right? So don't look for loud things, flashy things, bright things, um, because that's not why you're on stage. You're on stage or you're giving a presentation because people want to hear what you have to say. And that's what they're going to take home. And I don't, I always recommend it to my candidates or people that I've worked with in, in public speaking, make sure you dress properly and that the, the clothes fits you and be honest with yourself. You know, oh, I've had my suit there for, for eight years. Well, maybe you need to put it on and see if it actually, you know, if it's clean or if it actually fits, uh, you know. Uh, so it's important. It's important that people take that because when you walk on stage, you're on. Everything is going to be looked at. And we I, I want to minimize my, my goal when we talk about this, Caleb, is that people understand that I want to help minimize those little things that will that will be memorable, but not because of your speech, but because of your of your your outfit. You know, men, if you have beards, groom them. You know what I'm saying? Comb your hair, look presentable, look professional. Um, it, it, because it's your persona. You're the, we talked about this. Remember, you have a message right for campaigns. You have message, the messenger. Two two things that are important, right? So now on the messenger part, hey, your message might be great, but the messenger makes makes also a difference of who's who's providing this message so that's part of the dynamic you want to put the message along with the messenger that people can relate to and we know plenty of candidates on a local and national level that for whatever action they took or whatever they decided to address that became the topic of conversation and their message was lost right and then in today's media 
it just gets exploited over and over, you know, for whatever. So we want to avoid that as much as possible, because at the end of the day, people want to relate to you as a person, not as a, hey, that's the person that had the yellow jacket or the plaid shirt. Maybe if it's part of your persona and you've already established that throughout your career, that that's who you are, I get it. But if you're if you haven't established that brand within your persona, maybe it's not the some of these events it's not the best time to go test that out you're listening to the grassroots chronicles at the yard sign network if you like what you're hearing definitely follow subscribe you can find us on itunes spotify amazon wherever you listen to podcasts we are the grassroots chronicles at the yard sign network so carlos you were just mentioning something um, that really works for me talking about putting on the clothes that you're going to wear my brother, a year ago now, it was last Christmas, he gave me a great pair of fancy Johnston and Murphy shoes. And when I wear those shoes, I have, I have a little, uh, my, my step is a little more confident. Um, they're nice shoes. They make me half an inch taller. Shout out to Ron DeSantis. Um, <laughs> I, I love these shoes. And every time I give a speech, I'm wearing these shoes. So I need to have them on when I'm actually practicing and rehearsing. And in addition to that, I need to make sure I practice and rehearse in as many different um, places as possible. I might do it in a bedroom. I might mm -hmm. do it in my living room. I might go to my church and try it there. And reason being is because there are a lot of times where you have to give a speech in a venue that you don't know, that you've never seen before until 10 minutes before you get up on stage and speak. Now, if you have the opportunity to do a dry run, meaning getting there early, almost having a dress rehearsal, do it 100%. Understand the microphone, understand the feedback you're going to hear, get to know the room a little bit more. That is always uh, a, a huge opportunity for you to hit it out of the park. But there are a lot of times where you won't have the opportunity for a dry run. And if you rehearse in many different places, rather than just stagnant in the same office space every single time, you're gonna be able to adjust to many different rooms uh, because sometimes you might have a mic, sometimes you might not. Sometimes you might have a lectern, sometimes you might not. Sometimes you might be roaming around the stage and sometimes you might be confined to a small little space. If you rehearse in different spaces and different locations, it's going to make your speech much more flexible. I, I got to add something to you. You said about the shoes. And for me, if it's a formal uh, presentation, my jacket has to feel comfortable. Because if I feel anything that's too tight or it makes me kind of robotic looking or stiff, it starts to play with my my psyche as I'm on, you know, trying to, to, to have a cover. So I have to feel relaxed up in this part. And it's funny you say that because I'm sure people are going to find out, hey, I got to have my my particular belt or the particular slacks, right, or shirt. Uh, for me, it's really a jacket. If I I need to feel very comfortable in my jacket so that I can deliver uh, the best I, I can. Uh, so, no, that's a good point, man. That's a really good point. I I, I, I do it and didn't really think about it until you brought it up with, with the shoes. And I'm sure our audience will find – different things that they like to to wear that they feel comfortable in now i'm not talking about sweatshirt you know sweatpants and, and, and sweatshirts uh but definitely find some comfortable clothes that you feel good presentable and it's it's you know who you are in, in presentation with the audience 
And in terms of beginning a speech, I will say what we said and, and wrap up in saying what we said earlier. Record yourself. Record yourself. Take your phone, take your computer, take a video camera, whatever it is you have, and watch yourself. Understand what crutches you rely on physically. Are you pacing back and forth? Are you leaning on the podium too much? Are your hands in your pockets? You get to see that. You get to look at your crutches vocally. I have several. I say, um, um, and like a little bit too many. If I watch myself and I watch a recording of myself giving a speech, I'm able to notice those a little bit more and do my best to prevent them when I'm actually presenting the speech. And final, I'm, go ahead, Jonathan. No, I just want to expand on that point because I know you have an acting background, Caleb, and, and I have a radio background. One of the things they drill into you in radio day one is to listen to yourself, right? Record yourself on air, and that way you can track all of the mistakes and all the crutches that you have. But what's fascinating to me is that actors don't like to watch themselves. Like I, I watched a, lots of interviews of of actors of all calibers, and the majority of them don't watch themselves. And I, and I, I just it just rattles me as to why. It's crazy. So I was at a, a Q&A, there were about 40 young actors in New York, this was in 2008, and Marissa Tomei, who won an Academy Award for My Cousin Vinny, Marissa Tomei was there answering all of our questions at the forum. And um, someone asked her about a specific line she made in My Cousin Vinny uh, in terms of, you know, my biological clock is ticking. And she said, I don't know that line. I've never watched any of my movies. And she and her co-star, Joe Pesci, in the movie actually got in a huge fight about this. Um, Pesci basically told her, look, you're never going to get better. You're never going to improve unless you watch it. He's like, you absolutely must watch yourself if you want to become a better actor. And Joe Pesci, as we know, is also an Academy Award winning actor. He's been in a ton of great Martin Scorsese movies, as well as Home Alone, Happy Holidays. Um, but he makes a great point. You've, you've got to be able to watch yourself in order to learn about yourself. And like Jonathan said, getting used to your voice is hard. And watching yourself give a speech is difficult because you have to, yes, both watch what you're doing with your hands and how awkward we might look. But you also have to hear your voice. Embrace your voice. It's so much easier said than done. But the more you watch yourself, the more you listen to yourself, the more comfortable you become in who you are as a presenter. Uh, before we wrap here today, Carlos, Mr. Grassroots, uh, any any last thoughts for Jared and Alpharetta on beginning a speech? Uh, yeah. Also, uh, if you can, if you know we're going to, you know, the location and you have an idea where it's going to be, ask what type of microphones are they going to have? Is it going to be uh, on on the actual podium? Is it going to be one of those uh, ones you you know put on your uh, around your ear and it's it's uh, you know comes across your mouth, uh, or is it going to be a handheld? Uh, I prefer the free, you know, the ones that come around or the podium. I don't like the hand the handheld because I feel like I'm I'm like tied to this thing. And sometimes if you don't measure the distance, you can hear the voice out in the audience or in the, in the, in the, in the area like too loud, not loud enough. So make sure you practice that a little bit or find out at least 
and find that rhythm or that distance of where your voice and try not to deviate from it. When you have the little ones, those are great because you're free. You can walk and it's, and it's measured. But when you have it in your hand, you have a, uh, it's just a human tendency to not really, you know, fluctuate unless you're a professional presenter or a professional singer, you know, uh, and you get on stage, you just twirl the, the mic like somebody from the who um, and measure that, measure that distance. Um, so be careful, try it, you know, and, uh, but more than anything, I can't, I, I can't say any more than really, those are the fundamentals of, of practice, um, be honest with yourself and, um, don't practice in front of the mirror, know your audience topics, uh, any facts that you can put into the, into the story to, um, have people remember, because we want them to remember what, you know, to impact them. And if they can walk away with some sort of figure that you stated with, within your story or within what you're saying, then I think you've made a, made an attempt. Uh, and always, if you can, leave a call to action. Give people a place to go, uh, whether it's a website or, or something. Or you can say, hey, I'll be, uh, you know, on the other side of the, of the auditorium taking questions if you want or if you want more information. Always give people that opportunity to come. And, and you'll be surprised. People do come and want to talk to you uh, and, and pick your brain. So, no, and, I think uh, it's great. And to piggyback off of what you said, I also really dislike using handheld mics. Uh, however, half the time, that's what we're given. Go to Walmart, buy a $30 karaoke machine if you can. That will help you practice in terms of knowing how close do I need to be to the microphone. And also, oh, that's what my voice actually sounds like. Anomaly is the word of the day. Thank you, Jonathan Torres, for teaching me how to pronounce the word anomaly. Uh, you've been listening to the Grassroots Chronicles at the Yard Sign Network. As always, we appreciate your time, and we hope to watch you change your city, your county, your state, and our country. On behalf of our producer, Jonathan Torres, I am Mr. Communication, Caleb Stokes. He is Mr. Grassroots, Carlos Mulatoller. You can find us on Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. This is the Grassroots Chronicles at the Yard Sign Network, signing off.